0: Guys, welcome back to another episode of whether you're listening to this on the Arsenio Buck Perspective or the Arsenio's ESL podcast. Today is a podcast interview. That's right, people. I haven't done this, and I think I did about only three last year, but I said, you know what? I'm going to attract those to me who are of the same consciousness level. Things are going to magnetize right into my life. And all of a sudden, within probably a five-day period, I have one of the two, one of the first, beautiful souls who walked right into my life, Laura Reesai. She is the co-founder and CEO of Zen Rabbit. She is a coach and among so many other things that she's going to explain and we're going to speak about her journey. The title of this podcast is going to be Fuck Being Fine. And this is the whole centerpiece of what we're going to be talking about right here today. So, Lori, thank you so much. For coming on to the podcast.
1: I am so excited to be here. I love your energy. And I feel the same way about attracting the right people into mm-hmm. my space.
0: Right, right. Because sometimes, and to be honest with you, Lori, sometimes we like to impose our will into different people's groups. Remember the last time we got on a chat, you know, with you know, having your own table, but some of us we always like to join other people's tables because we have that sense of belonging rather than creating our owns. So uh, with that being said, it laid that foundation. Lori, thank you. Here we go. The journey. Tell everyone who you are. You got a lot of people, 199 countries on the ESL podcast, and then you have probably about 70 countries on the Arsenio Buck Perspective uh, podcast. People need to know who you are. So lay the foundation and we're going to hit that journey, that dark journey. Oh, no
1: pressure or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, did you ever see that movie, The Breakfast Club? I know it's oh, like from the 80s. Okay, you know, and they're yeah. in detention. Oh, and the yep. um, Anthony Michael Hall character's got the pen and he's uh, he's got the pen on his lip. And he's like, who am I? Who am I? Because they had to write an essay about who they were. Right. I always think of that. Tell us who you are. Who am I? I love it. (laughs) I
0: love
1: it. Yeah. So I I am a marketer by background and at heart. I I love marketing. That's been, that's where I started my career. And Mm -hmm. I started my first business. I was selling and marketing a product called the gratitude cookie that was based on a family recipe as a way for businesses to say thank you to their clients and people who sent them referrals. And it was actually, yeah, based on a family recipe. So it was an actual cookie product. Amazing. Ran that business for 11 years. Couldn't scale it the way I wanted to. Went back to marketing. you know. But I knew I was going to start my own business again. And I did. Was teaching networking strategies, like for what I was calling quiet people. Like, how do you you're intimidated to walk into a room full of people you don't know. How do you do that? How do you start a conversation? How do you uh, develop a relationship, which is really what networking is all about, about developing relationships. And then pandemic came along and nobody was going to any events. So I had to remake myself again, got called back into that whole world of talking about gratitude and the concepts of gratitude and how to use gratitude for business as well as how to expand your life using gratitude. And uh, that's, yeah, that's how I came about to start my podcast, start my program that you mentioned, all that good stuff where I am now. Yeah.
0: You've been doing broadcasting for quite some time too. So you developed your voice. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably the first thing I want to hit off on because You know, just recently over the weekend, I saw one of my students who I hadn't seen in probably five, six years. And it was so good to see her who I am now versus Mm -hmm. who I was five years ago, right? Seeing the voice that I've developed over the last five years compared to the very defensive, always vulnerable, seeking to bully the society out here because they weren't accepting me for, Mm -hmm. you know, based on obvious reasons, uh-huh. So when, by broadcasting and having done that for decades, right? No, no hard feelings. you know, no hard feelings. I'm just saying, good. you know what I'm it's saying? It's
1: all good. <laughs> it is decades. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> okay. And so with that being said, like, how important was it to find your voice? Because obviously marketing, dealing with people, social skills, all these other things. But a lot of people are terrified. Uh, finding their voice because of societal reasons and mm-hmm. considering that there are so many people from you know the continent of Asia that listens to me and they're very scared to express themselves I think this will be a really good one so what did broadcast and do for you in terms of you finding your voice and how did that strengthen you throughout the rest of you know up till now
1: yeah well really I mean broadcasting was part of my Career, my journey from the very beginning when I went to college. So I started, like my parents dropped me off and I went straight after they left, I went straight to the broadcasting studio. And then I ended up, at, which is weird because I was a super shy child, but I was drawn to broadcasting and had a radio show at the on the campus radio station for all four years that I was in school. And so, you know, finding my voice there was a part of it. But then I think on the broader scale, what you're talking about in terms of finding my voice as, as who am I as a human, as a person, what do I have to offer? I mean, that's a lifelong journey. I think we're always going through because we're always in transition, like who I was 20 years ago is not who I am now. And I think we grow into finding our voice because we become more confident as we get older. I think that's just something that tends to happen naturally anyway.
0: I see. Okay, so wow. And considering that you got into it like back in, you know, university and everything, mm-hmm. I'm just like, ooh way. Um, so one of the pivotal stages especially of my life is, you know, it's so funny Lori. To explain this from a perspective where I was just completely broke and broken back at the end of 2015, and me feeling that I needed to create my voice to get back at people, which is a mm-hmm. negative way of doing it, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like creating a business that is negative, and it's, it, you know, like, like the different type of movements that, of course, I won't say, but they're they're prone to negativity because they're focusing on this instead of focusing on the other. It's kind of like mother Teresa would never join a protest. She would always join. She would like, if if you're going to have a pro peace March, invite me. She knew exactly what you were talking about. The power of positivity, the manifestation and stuff like that. Like I'm not going to join something that is very negative. However, when I started finding my voice, it was always like in 2016, ha ha, I'm on Apple Podcasts, you racist-ass tired women, blah, 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 blah. It was always getting back at them. And yeah. I guess, you know, this goes back to your whole label of everything, the fuck being fine, you know? And I never looked at that as a way of saying, you know what? No, I'm not fine. It took me about three, four years to finally say, you know what, I feel like something is holding me back from my past right now. And so that whole journey and everything that I just said, you could just unpack that, but yeah, go ahead. I think a lot of people
1: are in your same shoes. Like they start a business or they go into a career to prove somebody wrong, Yeah. to use, to be fueled by that. You said I couldn't do it, or you told me I'd never Mm -hmm. run out to anything or whatever. And they use that to fuel themselves, which is nothing wrong with that. You can get to a certain level of success with that fuel. And then I think at some point you have to reevaluate, is that going to get you even further? Like it got you to this point, but is it going to get you to the next level? Because you are building on something that's negative. So how do you find an inspiration, motivation, whatever that is more positive? And to your point too, I think you do have to go through some personal, I will say personal development, personal um reflection healing healing to allow yourself to move through those feelings that fueled you in the beginning cuz it's from hurt it's from anger it's from resentment whatever and those aren't i was going to say they're not good but it's you know we're putting judgments on things it's not healthy they're certainly not healthy because those things can manifest physically mentally all kinds of disease And so working through them so that you can get to a better place where you can build, like, again, build on a
0: healthier platform. Right. And you, um, man, you just said it yourself. Like what this is, is you said dis-ease and it's because a body that's not at ease, right? And so when people are looking at self-reflection, they always look at it as a way like, I don't wanna do self-reflection because I'm afraid of a a number of different things, right? Mm -hmm. They're like, oh no, I'm afraid of being disappointed in myself. I'm afraid of this, I'm afraid of that. To be honest with you, Lori, a lot of people out there, they do not wanna reflect on their social circle. Mm -mm. They don't wanna reflect on their life. They don't wanna reflect on the things that are happening, like the 10, what is it, the 10 pillars. We're talking maybe your mission, Okay. Your finances. Okay. You're learning. Okay. This, okay. That they don't want to reflect on it because they're terrified of reflecting on it. And so I still remember we had that chat. We had that chat. We're going to, we're going to have to go that way, but we had that chat. And you said, you said you, I I can't remember, quote me if I you know, you could rephrase me if I'm wrong, but you were, obviously you, you had been in a marriage for decades. Okay. You need to reemphasize again and one time you said you know what what are we doing like it was a moment it wasn't like a healing moment but it was a reflective moment where you said what are we doing as much as i appreciate you and love you it just feels like we're no longer growing i don't know i don't know quote me if i'm wrong but this is the whole fuck being fine journey when it all began i believe and yeah. then you said you know what i'm going to just uh-uh, let's let this one go. And it's crazy. I don't know. There And uh, it, it's amazing how you had that and say, oh, my God, I'm going to cancel this and I'm going to go about another journey. It's the craziest thing in the world. But a lot of people are like, whoa. So, okay, yeah, go ahead, Lori. Talk about that.
1: It wasn't exactly a moment. Like, I was oh. struck by lightning and it was like, boom, <laughs> I got to get out of here. <laughs> it was a series of events and reflections. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it started with closing that business. I said the gratitude cookies and I ran it for 11 years, couldn't scale it the way I wanted to. I, I, so I went to shut it down in 2014 and at the same time, around that same time, my mom was diagnosed with an acute form of leukemia and passed away six weeks later. And that those two things. So I'm mourning the death of my business and my mom, and I'm thinking about, do I want to live the next 20 years the same way I lived the last 20 And reflect, you know, reflecting on, and not, not that the last 20 had been terrible. They weren't right. Just do I want to continue down this path or do I want to take a different path? And it still took me another four years after that to decide, no, I'm going to go down a different path. And, you know, you've referred to my decades. Okay. Yes. I've lived for decades. So this (laughs) is part of, I believe this is part of, of, what, what is a midlife, re reflection, reinvention, reassessment. You know, people refer to midlife crisis. It's not a crisis. You're just reevaluating where am I in my life and where do I want to go from here? So that's when I decided that, well, I don't know that I decided that's when I really reflected on is this relationship that I had been in for almost 30 years serving me and I don't mean that a, like serving me as as selfishly serving me. It wasn't serving either one of us. It wasn't, in, it wasn't in the best and highest interest and good for either one of us to stay. Because as he actually said this, and I've reflected on this a lot too, in order for us to stay together, we would have had to sacrifice too much of who we were as individuals to make the relationship work. And that's not fair to anybody.
0: Okay. Hold on. You, you spitting that fire now. Here we go. Okay. Wait, wait, wait. So you had to sacrifice too much of who you were to like, okay. So relationships, let's just say it's a whole 100%. -hmm. But you felt like you were sacrificing or not being who you were. And then What do you mean by that? I think that's very, very interesting because I think a lot of people are in relationships exactly like that. Right. So to qualify, there's a difference between
1: compromising on whether you're going to have, you know, pizza or, um, you know, pizza or Chinese food for dinner or whether you're going to go on vacation to Hawaii or Alaska. Like that's different than actually you make compromises for each other for a relationship to work. That's different than compromising who you are at your core, at your being. So I'm much more uh, like a, more of a risk taker. I'm more of an entrepreneur and I wanna be out there doing, doing more, doing bigger. He was, a, he's a little bit older than I am. And so he was more focused on how do I get through these next few years to get to retirement and go do like the next thing. And I'm like thinking I'm never retiring because entrepreneurs don't, we just go to the next thing. What's Sweet. the next thing? What's the next thing? And so Sweet. like that kind of the, just the way we looked at life. And I don't want to say we had different values. We did have, some of the values were different. Some of them were the same. I mean, that's why we got together in the first place. We, we had a lot in common. There was a lot of commonality and love. And then our paths just diverged.
0: Wow. Um, This is for a lot of people out there. This could be your social circle too. Yes. You might have an internal nudge or a tug of war that's kind of pulling you this way. You know, and society is telling you to do this. Your social circle is telling you to do this. Your parents are telling you to do this, but it doesn't align with your values. Mm -hmm. It doesn't align with who you are. You're compromising. This is exactly what Lori just said. Compromising who you are. Italian, My other half, she loves Japanese. I'd be like, okay, well, I'll get some ponkatsu. No no, no offense to my Japanese. I love you guys so much. You guys are the best. Uh, I love Japanese, but eating it all the time. I'm an Italian guy. Mm -hmm. So those are little compromises that Lori was talking about. But compromising who you are as an individual, this is the big deciding factor. So what does that mean? Now, let's look at a social circle from five years ago, six years ago, even when I was younger. There were a couple of people in my life that kept saying, hey, you should go back to university. Hey, you should go back to university. Hey, you should go back to university. And I'm just like, well, what's university gonna do for me? What does university have to offer me? Mm -hmm. Okay, university failed me. (laughs) No, I'm just saying like, why would you want me to go back to pursue this and go after a master's and all these other things when, no, no, I'm not compromising who I am for the sake of you. Now, going back to the discussion I just had with my student. Oh, this is very heart-wrenching, Lori. You know, my student, her parents are, they have no faith in their child. Mm. She's 26 now. When I met her, she was like 19, 20. At the end of high school, this particular girl, her parents were like, oh my God, we're so worried that you're going to end up becoming homeless and die. I'm like, hold on, say that again, that you're going to end up becoming homeless and die. First of all, you're the motherfucking parent. So there's no way that you are going to become homeless because you are the fucking parents that you're going to have to take care of her. Like they had no faith in her whatsoever. The same thing they were saying at the end of high school, they're saying at the end of university. Oh, if you don't pass pharmacy, uh, we're scared that you're going to end up becoming homeless and you're not going to get a job you're not going to get a salary. They're so money-centered and salary-based. They're not, they are from an industrial age mindset rather than a knowledge-based mindset such as what me and you are. There's no such thing as retirement. And so are you going to stop conforming and think outside the box and be willing to be judged, you know, versus, you know, living other people's lives and making everyone happy when they're just not happy at all. That's really difficult because you want, I think we're
1: somewhat wired to, we want other people to be happy. We, we don't want to cause them discomfort.
0: Right.
1: And at the end they are, I'm guessing her parents are that way because they want to protect her. They want her to be safe. They want to do what is in her best interest. They're doing what they believe. They're saying what they believe is right for her. But when it comes back to us as individuals, only we know What is right? It doesn't matter what your social circle is telling you. And that should be upgraded at least every five years. You should be looking at your social circle, going, These people I'm surrounding myself with, again, are they serving my best and highest good? And not in a like, again, it's not a servant thing, but am I hanging out with the right people to get where I want to go? They could be great people. And I've heard tons of stories of people, you know, their high school friends, great people but not, uh, they're not motivating them in the way that they, you know, that you can't talk about the same things. They're just not at the same level. And nothing wrong with that, but they're not where you are. So evaluating your social circle. But the only one who knows what's right for you is you. And this is why it's so important to get quiet, take that time to get quiet and go in, whether it's, you know, meditation, which is my thing, my jam all the time talking about meditation and gratitude or, you know, gardening, sailing, wherever you can go to clear your mind and just get quiet with yourself and hear that your own inner voice, that's the voice that you need to listen to. All those other voices don't count for anything.
0: Right. That's pivotal because if we look at that again, Considering that there are so many voices in our heads that aren't even ours, mm-hmm. she says selling, hiking. My student, she started crocheting. There you go. Oh, so she says she hates pharmacy school. I know there are a lot of Asians, and I gotta focus on, on Asian because Asian culture, obviously, Japan, Japanese culture, Korean culture. I know so many of you follow me. So many of you listen to me. The number one, the number two on my podcast, on my ESL, listen to me closely. Your parents are saying you need to become a doctor because that's based—that's the, fa- the family values, mm-hmm. right? And I had another student who was like, oh, I'm going to do logistics. I'm like, do you like it? Fuck no. Okay, this is a true story. Six years ago. And I said, what do you want to do? I'm going to be a radio DJ. I said, so what are you going to do? Well, I'll start doing radio DJ part-time and not tell my parents. And then they'll probably just be all up in arms, but I'm going to graduate for them, And I'm like, well, sometimes we got to just get that degree to say, hey, here's the degree, but it's not what I'm going to do. Fuck you. No, don't say fuck you, by the way. But I'm just saying. (laughs) Not to your parents. Not to your parents. I'll say that to your parents. But, you know, Lori, have you ever had that resistance, whether it be in society, family, friends, where, like me, I wanted to travel. First time I booked a ticket to Australia, my family said, what the hell you go to Australia for? Man, what's what type of bullshit is this? Man, this is a bunch of bullshit. And all this ridiculousness. <laughs> I said, this is my motherfucking journey. This is my journey. You kiss my black ass, my brown ass, okay? <laughs> and so what ended up happening was it changed my life forever. It was my journey, but at the expense that I no longer speak to my family. Mm. So when it comes to you, when it came to your decision-making throughout your life, when you had to navigate those fear storms and you're like, oh man, if I do this, it's going to jeopardize these relationships or it's going to jeopardize this or that. It's like the catastrophizer. Like, mm-hmm. how do you go about doing that? Because it's a, it's another one of those big stories, you know?
1: <laughs> right, right. Right. And this is why the three pillars of my program that you mentioned, the Fuck Being Fine program, the three pillars called Trilogy for Success. It's gratitude, connections, and The third one is courage because you need to have, and you need to find that courage to do the thing that you know, you need to do, even though it's so, so uncomfortable because you know, you're going to be disappointing somebody, Hmm. but most importantly, the person to not disappoint is yourself. You have to live with that. There's a book. I just, I haven't finished reading it yet, but Daniel Pink, he's a, He's written a bunch of books, really great. He just came out with a book called The Power of Regret. And in it, he talks about, he's got, he did this worldwide regret survey. I think he had 20,000, something close to 20,000 people respond to it. And with all kinds of regrets, people who were in their 60s and 70s who are still remembering something they did or didn't do when they were 19, 20, that has overshadowed their whole life because they, they didn't do, they didn't listen to themselves and follow their intuition and do that thing. You know, I remember when I was 13 years old, I, I rebelled against the religion that I was raised in. And at 13, I get it. Your parents' job is to tell you, you know, this is what you're doing. You're a kid. And I was like, I'm not in for this. Yes, you are. I'm not, and we would fight about it all the time, all the time, but it didn't feel like it was a good fit for me.
0: And uh, yeah, I mean, you, you. That ended up changing the relationship and were you, do you have any regret or were you actually really happy about because I, I rebelled here, it led to this and now look at the, you know what I mean? Was there a bigger yeah, picture? Yeah, there
1: was. So I, uh, my mom and I would fight about it for years after. Yeah. And I remember standing in my mom's kitchen. I was still in college. I must've been like 21 years old. And she was telling me that it would be that I should marry somebody. I wasn't dating anybody at the time, but that it would be easier if I married somebody of the same religion because life would just be easier if I did that. And I was like, in my head, I, I, I was like, fuck that. No, that doesn't even make any sense. Why? Why is... No. So I didn't actually, my husband was not the same religion. And by that point, neither one of us was practicing any religion. I'm a very spiritual person, but not subscribed to any particular religion. And he wasn't really either. And I don't want to say that our relationship didn't work just because we're not still together. That relationship worked for almost 30 years. And it was, Like it was beautiful, it worked the way it was supposed to work and religion played no part in any of it.
0: (laughs) I see. So if you, okay, so, uh, you know, for a lot of people out there, if one person has a belief over here and you have another belief over here, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. You know, and so for everyone else out there, you know, in America, you you know, in America right now, I don't know, Lori, I I don't know, for some reason, I see America as, remember, I haven't been there in about five years, but I see America as this place when you first land, people are screaming, you know, the left is screaming at the right, and these people are screaming at those people, this religion is screaming at that religion, I'm like, oh my God, there's just too much noise, but at the same time, if you peel off these labels, we are still human. And that's exactly that separation, that degree of separation, right? When
1: you get into conversations with people that you on the surface look like you would have nothing in common with, Mm -hmm. you find out how much you really do have in common. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm thinking about, yeah, I'm thinking about a relationship I have with a really good friend and politically very different. (laughs) And yet we are able to have conversations and at least be able to understand where the other person is coming from. That doesn't mean I have to agree with him or he has to agree with me, but we can respect and understand the other person so that you can have a more intelligent conversation. Maybe what he's saying has some merit. I don't have to agree with every part of it, but I could see maybe there's some merit there and same for where he's when he talks to me about my side of things. Like, so can we have intelligent conversations instead of just creating these stereotypes and making the other side bad? Because like you said, we're all human. We are all of one. You want to get into energy and talking about energetic. We're all from this same
0: stuff. Uh-huh.
1: We're all made of the same stuff.
0: We're all made of the universe apparently. Uh, exactly. To Neil deGrasse Tyson, exactly. That's we where I was going elements with it. Yeah. You
1: see what I mean? So <laughs> yeah. whether you and and that's cool because it's whether you're talking about science or mm-hmm. energy from a science standpoint or energy from a spiritual standpoint, it's the
0: same. Right. Oh, man. Okay, so before we go back to the third pillar of your course with courage, let's mm-hmm. tolerance. And so yes, I was that person. So again, I'm not going to blame anyone. I'm just going to say what I inherited as beliefs coming up. Mm-hmm. So in America, especially in African American culture, you know, they have a tendency of not like they always like to make fun of people who are of different sexual preferences, right? Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of homophobia within mm-hmm. the African American community. That's one. Number 2, in 2001, September 11, September 11, 2001, that was the beginning of how the media shaped our idea of how one specific religion were killers, all of them. And I didn't know, but on a subconscious level, on a conscious level, I was still like pretty open-minded and saying, okay, and you know, or this or that, but it wasn't until I finally realized, oh my God, I think I'm suffering from intolerance. When I went to a school down South here in Thailand and there was a Thai lady, but of Muslim faith who was sitting across from me. And I remember there were three other people at the table And I was speaking to them, but I wasn't communicating Mm -hmm. with her. And only three years later, I was reading in Napoleon Hill's Law of Success that it was the same thing that he had dealt with back in the 1930s when he hurried up and pulled his hand away because he saw a guy wearing, I forgot what it was. I don't know what it was, what Mm -hmm. religion, but it it made me realize, uh uh-oh, what's going on here? And then, you know, from that point forward, I ended up speaking to her and she was actually one of the nicest Thai women I had ever met in my life. And then was the journey because remember back in Australia, two years prior to that, I almost got fired from a job by referring to myself as being black. And the dentist said, excuse me. And I said, I'm black. He said, you're brown. What heritage are you? And then I realized, Oh my God, in America, we like to say white, black, white, black, white, black, but never did I question it. I just thought it was an instance that, okay, this guy's crazy. But until I started realizing I am suffering, from not being able to hear the other people. So in present day, I don't use any labels. I don't say I'm black. I say I'm cappuccino. I say I'm latte. I say I'm American. I say I have anywhere between five to 10 heritage. I don't know what they are, but maybe I look good. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And so, you know, I'm keeping it. So that's what I'm saying, like, but other people they'd like to categorize, and I heard this in one of the courses that I actually teach. These stereotypes can really destroy our outlook on life, so that's that's one of the things that I had to overcome with intolerance. You know, absolutely, we don't even realize, like you said, we don't even realize that we
1: have these prejudices, these views, these beliefs, they're yeah. so deeply ingrained, and we typically never even question them. So you're not even aware that you're portraying, that you're, you're exhibiting these behaviors. They just, they're just part of who you are. And so until you get some level of awareness, you can't change it. And even then they're so, what's the word I'm looking for? Like you just don't even know. Like, even when you become aware, you have to, it's, you're just, your viewpoint is so ingrained. Right. And it's like insidious, you know, it's in there. Yep. Which is why it's so challenging to overcome all of these prejudices in every culture, in every society. You know, how do we fix this? Well, it's not just a matter of, okay, now I'm aware, now I can do better. That's part of it. But it's still ingrained in there where you may not even, there are pieces you're not aware of.
0: and and And, and, you know, just to top that off, and this is why empathy is a big one, right? Mm -hmm. And this is what you said before I went on my whole intolerance spiel, because I realized that I and more of an um, uh, empathist, I'm going to call myself an empathist, because six years ago, and I think I, I'm not sure if I had told you this in our previous talk, but normally if, let's say, Thai women, right, when they would walk past me, and in present day too, they see me and they hurry up and look away until they pass me. Mm-hmm. That could be anything, that could be mm-hmm. anything, mm-hmm. right? Back then, they would hold their nose, mm-hmm. They would clutch their purse and move it to their other side when they saw me. I felt like I was always directly responsible for their ignorance, for their upcoming, for their upbringing, for everything who they are. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until Yvette Rose, author, South African author and transformation coach, she said, but you're not responsible. And this was the beginning of that 2020 journey of me saying, oh, so in present day, do Thai women still do that? Not all of them, but when it does happen, how do I react? They look right. I'm like, well, that has nothing to do with me. I do wish her the best mm-hmm. I have empathy for her. I feel bad. I don't feel bad for her. I don't have pity. I really hope that she finds the healing that she needs. You yeah. know what I mean? That's a yeah. whole nother way of self-awareness. Right. You
1: said it doesn't happen all that much anymore. Mm. Is that because I'm, I'm going to guess, I'm going to take a wild guess and there's no, you don't know for sure, but you mm-hmm. changed who you are. So mm-hmm. the world around you changed. Preach. Preach. Wayne Dyer was the one who said, when you change what you look at, the things you look at change. Something like that.
0: I think if this, and to even say that, do I still have racially influenced things that happen to me as they did six years ago? No. Why? I think. Because I've changed now, obviously having another half and me, not give it a damn anymore. That's probably the biggest thing, but at the same time, like, <clears throat> did I change as an individual? Did my consciousness, uh, consciousness level rise over the last two years? Do I feel like a victim or a victor now? Do I think everything, my entire outlook on life has changed over the last X amount of months, years and stuff like that? Absolutely. And so I guess the biggest lesson here that we're unpacking for everyone and all the listeners are, once you begin the process and the journey of change, your world begins to change around you. Is that right? That's
1: exactly right. You can't change anyone else. You can only change yourself. You can only work on yourself. However, once you start working on yourself, your vibration changes. There it is everything around you changes. So the people who are around you will change, but not Mm -hmm. because you're making them or you're changing. So they're changing in reaction or response to you. And they may change in a way that means they leave your life.
0: Right. Oh, I love it. Mm -hmm. Or
1: they may change and become more accepting. So I had a guest on my podcast And she and her husband had been married for a very long time and they had grown apart and they were on the path to breaking up, but she went and did some work and development on herself. And she stopped complaining and criticizing about him and all the things he was doing. And she actually used gratitude instead. And instead of complaining about why don't you take out the trash, it's overflowing. Can't you see it? What are you blind? You know, Instead, went. I really appreciate when you and the, you take the dog out for a walk and you take the trash while you're leaving, or she just wouldn't say anything and she would just not let it bother her. And their relationship started healing and they are better than ever now because she changed how she was showing up in the relationship, how she was showing up in not just in the relationship, in her life. Yep, And it changed their relationship. He didn't go to counseling. He didn't do any of the work. She changed and he changed in response.
0: I'm telling you, you know, I was just listening to our favorite person in the world yesterday morning, Brendan Uh Bouchard. And he was like, your level of enthusiasm and like your accountability for your own enthusiasm, not looking forward to the day by saying, oh, okay, well, this is going to happen. Nope, you don't have accountability. You have to understand the energy that you are bringing to the day. Mm -hmm. See, she understand that the energy that she was bringing to the relationship. And then she finally said, you know what? What energy? How can I one-up this relationship by changing the way I look at things? Mm -hmm. And just like that, everything changed. This could be for anyone who has a friendship, a relationship, or this or that. If you feel like you're always- Mm -hmm. A job. A job a job
1: like your career your whole everything could change it this applies yeah. to everything like you said
0: right and so it's having the courage and so going back to that third pillar um you know doing the hard things yes. and I'm, I'm gonna quote it is that T- tell me about d- doing that doing the hard things and obviously for everyone listening if you guys i'm gonna put all her links please the the uh, her Instagram everything is going to be in the description and obviously with you little sneak peeks and stuff like that I'll be posting on my IG and tagging her. But nonetheless, Lori, tell me about the hard things because brenda Burchard was talking about it just recently and he was like, "What's that one hard thing or those two hard things you need to do every morning? Do them, because that begins to build your confidence and your self esteem for yourself. Like, when did you do you commit to that and? Doing those hard things, maybe it was hard for you at the beginning, but now it's easier now. So tell me about that process. I, it's always hard in the beginning. <laughs> well, maybe not always. Okay.
1: I don't I right. say always, but it's often hard in the beginning. And then it becomes easier because like anything, when you practice it, things get easier. Playing the piano is hard in the beginning because you don't know what you're doing. The more you practice, the more your mom makes you practice. Well, you know. <laughs> I have no experience with that. No, I do. Uh, (laughs) The more your mom makes you practice, the better you become. Right. (laughs) For me, again, going back to meditation, that was, I knew, I knew the benefits. I learned how to meditate when I was 10 years old. My mom took my brother and me to a meditation course. So I learned that when I was 10 and then I used it for maybe a year consistently. And then I didn't use it for another 30 years. And, but, not consistently getting back into it. I knew all the benefits. You could look it up online and find out almost all the major high performing business leaders in the world and highest performing athletes, they all practice meditation. And they credit it their success, a large part of their success to their meditation practice, the fact that they have one. Still, it's it can be difficult to get into doing it consistently. And then once you do, it becomes easier. Now I'm at the point where I really feels uncomfortable if I don't meditate in the morning. My whole day is kind of off. Leaving the house, it's almost like you didn't brush your teeth, you know? (laughs) And it becomes easier, just like any habit. It's you're developing habits.
0: Right. Like, what new habits do you need to develop now that will maximize <clears throat> maximize your output probably in the next year, two years? Or yeah. sometimes, you know, we're so bored at life and we're just like, okay, what new habits can I develop to bring more of that joy? See, you're controlling you. It's not external circumstances. Right. Right, you're controlling exactly what you bring to the day every single day, you know? And so yeah. those little things like, you know, Uh, like last year i knew everything was shut down because we had the big it was like an eight month shutdown out here right Mm -hmm. delta was just surging COVID, all that craziness and so what ended up happening was i was like what little hard thing can i do every day in the morning so i bought weights i bought the you know the treadmill it was blazing hot during the summer months i'm pouring sweat and i just i attached myself to that love and that journey being a runner for my entire life since 2004 when I did track and feeling a little bit in college and stuff like that I love the pain of sprinting down the street with nothing left and people looking at me like a goddamn <laughs> god okay <laughs> do you get what I'm saying that is what I attach my- I love that type of physical pain because I know I mentally grow that's why I did the Tough Mudder race back in 2015 and Spartan races over the next three to four oh, wow. years you know
1: Okay. It's, giving you props for that. Cause that's,
0: yeah, that is hard. That, that is horrible. hard.
1: Yeah. And you have to <laughs> either enjoy the journey. I hear that all, you know, I got it. You enjoy the journey. I personally would like to have a superpower of teleportation so I can skip the journey and just get to the thing. <laughs> Nonetheless, you uh-huh. have to enjoy the journey. Like you do that, the process, the journey, or, You have to be so motivated to get to the end result. So I'm thinking like my friend Tracy tells me she hates working out. She hates being in the weight room. I actually love it, but she doesn't like it. However, she likes the end result. She wants the end result of what her body looks like when she does it. So she will continue to go do it because she wants that end result. So either way, I think you're better off enjoying the process because the end result is, can be fleeting, you know, mm-hmm. being at the summit of the mountain, there's so mm-hmm. much more time spent on the actual trek up the mountain than the time right. standing there. So you're better off enjoying the journey.
0: However, yep. either one will hmm. produce results. And that's exactly what Inky Johnson said. He said, <laughs> just think about it, Laurie, NFL, Imagine being a bottom dweller of the league. Imagine mm-hmm. being at, let's say the Jacksonville Jaguars. You're going nowhere. You're <laughs> going nowhere. You already know going into the season. Okay. We're going to get maybe two wins this year out of 16 games. Are you still motivated to put your body through the, through mm-hmm. the grind and grow as an right. individual, as a leader, as a, as so many other things, knowing That the end result is not gonna fucking come. See that right there? Oh, yes, 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 yes. Inky Johnson said, Are you going to be attached so much to the journey, even though that the end result may never come? Mm -hmm. You know, and just like, you know, Mount Everest, all those climbers and the K2 and all these other mountains. Will you be attached to that summit of 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000? When you get to 6,000 and then it ends up becoming the death zone, you have an X amount of time to get up and down before you die. Are you going to be attached so much to that journey to the point where, hey, you know what? If I do die, I'm dying throughout this journey. And when I get to the top of the mountain, I can only stay for probably about five minutes because there are hundreds of maybe other climbers down there who are trying to get to the top. That right there is the biggest pillar right there. And that comes all back to courage and stuff like that. So Lori, tell everybody about your course very briefly.
1: Well, yeah, the, the fuck being fine is a private <laughs> client, private client course, or, and I'm just starting, I don't know when you're going to air this, but it, I'm just starting the first group program of it, mm-hmm. small group. So mm-hmm. 10 people. And then I also present it at, at, with companies that can bring me in and have me share it with their team. Um, and we go through those three pillars of right. gratitude connection. And when I talk about connection, I'm talking about connection with others, as well right. as most importantly, that connection with yourself. And that's where that meditation piece is, ties into it. And then the right. courage, you know, you have the gratitude, you have the connection, you know what you need to do now. Let's right. build, let's, let's pull out the courage to do it and to
0: take that, that step. Awesome. And the community, and I love it. It sounds like a community. So uh, obviously with you having that group around you, you have other people and like-minded individuals who are on that same path. Right. To, you know, uh, you that's know, the cool thing goals. about
1: doing Absolutely. a group is you get to interact with other people and learn from them as well. And they can learn from you and it's, it is a great interaction.
0: Awesome. All right. And so who. Wow, with that being said, so much that we talked about. Lori, what are the biggest key takeaways? Whether it be what we spoke about today, some things throughout your life, things that have happened over the past few years, whatever it may be, what are the biggest key the key takeaways of those, those, you know, the pillars? And, you know, how, how can people make it practical? You know, in regards to those three pillars, what's that practicality behind it?
1: When you were talking about that journey, The thing I wanted to say about it was it's when you're on that journey, it's you're focused on a goal. You're focused on the summit. Of course, at the same time, if you don't get there, or even if you do either way, who you're becoming Hmm. is really the, the big reward, right? It's yes, you summited the mountain and who did you become on that journey as you were training for it? Cause that's, what's going to stick with you for the rest of your life. Is that who you've become? So you can do hard things. It, you, you said you were being fine, being fine. Things. you can do hard things. There's no reason to compromise who you are. There's no reason to settle for a mediocre life. I mean, that's the whole fuck being fine thing right there is you don't have to live in mediocrity you can and you
0: deserve to have better. It's about taking that first step. Yes, yes. So, you know, and and to top it off, you know, both you and I, we've been on those journeys and my journey out here in Thailand, people always told me, why are you still here? There were other teachers uh, back in 2015 when the racism was at its height towards people of color here uh, in the country. And there was this one, whatever teacher, a fair complexion, let's just say. And he's like, why is he still here? And I asked myself this and I'm like, why would I leave based on the mere opinions of just five freaks or 10 Mm -hmm, freaks mm -hmm. or a couple of societal freaks Mm -hmm. who have a very narrow-minded and myopic point of view on life? Mm -hmm. I never thought about giving up one time on this country, one time. And I don't know why, but that was that journey, Lori. That's to your credit because
1: other people would have. That's right. And again, like that would be their journey. They would be missing out on what you have gained since you stayed. Right. Everybody makes those choices. You have to make the choice that's right for you. And that's where, why, again, it's so important to get quiet and hear what is your voice telling you, not with social media or society or your parents or your friends, not what they're telling you. What is your own inner voice saying at the same time? I was going to say too, that your, your circle, your support group, whoever that is is exactly. so important to this journey, because yes, you have to listen to your own voice and we are human. We are wired to want to connect, to interconnect, to inter to connect interpersonally. We need that support from other people.
0: Yep, absolutely. And, and to, so to do an audit, not well, not so much an audit. Audit's like, hey, get you, get the fuck out, get the fuck out, get the fuck out. Get the, <laughs> no, I don't want you to do a full audit. I don't want anyone to do that. You know what I mean? We don't need but, to be mean about it. <laughs> you're a piece of shit. No, don't do any of that. Okay. <laughs> so what you need to do, you need to obviously just reassess and again it comes back to what Lori said about reflecting not over the past 10 years 20 years reflect on who you've become over the last 365 days mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is what i'm saying i look at myself who i was last year right around this same time just before my birthday and i was like oh okay still a little bit scared still in a market that i wasn't sure i was doing uh, very uncertain in regards to my financial future and this and that fast forward 365 days and i said oh my fucking god there's no way that this is happening and that is the beautiful part i look back and say oh hell yeah i'm on the right track mm-hmm. and it's not a midlife crisis like Lori said it's a midlife reflection say am i going in the right direction is the ladder on the right wall or am i going to try a new ball?"
1: exactly exactly and you don't have to be at midlife to do this you could do it at any point in your life Yep. just make sure you're you know is that train on the right track like you said is the ladder against the right wall or am i climbing to somewhere that i don't want to end up
0: right oh yes 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 so good people with that being said man lori thank you so much for coming on here, man. That was Synergy. That's what I wanted to create was that Synergy. I'm so happy because I think a lot of people, especially who uh, listen to me on my ESL podcast, they probably don't see hear me preach so much about personal development and stuff like that. But this one right here, this is probably going to open up them into a totally different, like a way different society, uh, you know, a completely different world because a lot of people desperately needed this, you know, and so... With that being said, Lori, thank you so, so much for coming on. Again, everyone who is interested, make sure you go down below in the podcast, in the links and everything, her details, everything will be there. I'll be posting a bunch of snippets on both of my uh, Instagram pages, especially the Facebook page. By the way, if you're hearing this now, it may have already aired for you, Lori. I'm going to be airing this within a 10-hour period. Coming up on my the Arcidio Buck perspective page, and I'll be tagging you on snippets on both IG stories and the uh, what is it the the post obviously on uh, Instagram too. So thank you so much for joining.
1: Fantastic! Thank you so much for having me. I've so much enjoyed all of our conversations.
0: <laughs> thank you. And so with that being said, people, that is the end. Thank you so so much. And until then, stay tuned for more. I'm your host, as always, over and Out.